Its snorting throws out flashes of light. Its eyes are like the rays of dawn. Flames stream from its mouth. Sparks of fire shoot out. Its breath sets coals ablaze, and flames dart from its mouth. Strength resides in its neck. Dismay goes before it. The folds of its flesh are tightly joined. They are firm and immovable. Its chest is hard as rock, hard as a lower millstone. When it rises up, the mighty are terrified. They retreat before its thrashing. The sword that reaches it has no effect, nor does the spear or the dart or the javelin. Iron it treats like straw and bronze like rotten wood. Arrows do not make it flee. Sling stones are like chaff to it. A club seems to butt a piece of straw. It laughs at the rattling of the lance. Its undersides are jagged pot shirts leaving a trail in the mud like a threshing sledge. It makes the depths churn like a boiling cauldron and stirs up the sea like a pot of ointment. It leaves a glistening wake behind it. One would think the deep had white hair. Nothing on earth is equal. A creature without fear. The Bible, New International Version. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Today we are discussing the Leviathan, a gargantuan sea serpent of biblical proportion. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Nicholas had dreamed about living by the sea since he was a little boy. He would fall asleep at night, imagining the lull of the waves rolling across a sandy beach and the smell of the salty air filling his nostrils. He had spent many summers as a child at his grandparents' home in Kalamata where he would spend his days fishing in the Messenia Gulf with his grandfather. It was there that someday he hoped to return with his wife and children. It had been hard for him to visit as often as he liked after he was grown, and before he knew it, he was 35 and had a family and a career that took up all of his time. There had been so many happy memories made there that it was the one place he wanted to return someday, to live but not like this. His grandmother had called with tragic news. There had been an earthquake in the Peloponnese region, and Kalamata was near the epicenter. His grandfather, who had been out fishing, had been missing since. She had no other family there and was distraught with worry, not knowing what to do. 
Nicholas caught the first flight he could out of Madrid, and by sunset, was sitting at the kitchen table with his grandmother in Kalamata, Greece. His grandmother sat with her hands folded in her lap, wringing them as they talked. Tell me again what the Port Authority told you, Grandma. Nicholas urged her as he laid his hand gently on top of hers. She took a deep breath and began to repeat what she had told him earlier that day on the phone. They said his boat washed up on a shallow shore of the Messinian money. The boat was burned, but they couldn't decide the cause. It looked like it was burned from the outside. I know that this is somehow connected to the earthquake. I just don't know how. I don't know what to do. Am I supposed to just wait for his body to wash up somewhere or go on like nothing has happened? She finally broke down as Nicholas searched for the right words to say. I will rent a boat, Grandma, and I will go looking for him. That is all that I know to do. I will find him, or in the least, find out what happened, he reassured her. It was almost dark, so there was nothing that could be done until the next morning. Nicholas would get started at first light. Heading off to bed, he began to make a mental list of exactly which places he could remember that his grandpa liked to take his boat out to when he went fishing. He was pretty sure that he even kept record of the coordinates just in case of an emergency. It was hard to sleep with worry filling his mind. It was frightening not knowing whether his grandpa may be somewhere cold or maybe injured or even worse. Nicholas finally fell asleep a few hours before dawn. He felt like he had just shut his eyes when he was awoken by his grandmother's knock on the door. Nicholas? She opened the door and peeked cautiously around it until she spotted him sitting up in bed. You should come down here and see this. Something strange is going on. I will be right there, Grandma. Just let me throw on some pants, he said before she nodded and backed out the door, closing it behind her. He found her in the living room, sitting in front of the TV with a worried look on her face. She was watching the news, but turned to Nicholas when he entered the room. What's going on? He asked her. Look, she said. Thousands of dead fish washing up on shore. And it's not just here. It is going on all up and down the coast. Nicholas watched the screen as the young blonde reporter stood on a beach with hundreds of dead fish scattered across the sand. The reporter said the reason for the incident was unknown, but under investigation. Something very strange is going on, his grandma muttered. The earthquake? Your grandpa missing? And now this? Something strange indeed, and it is something terrible. I can feel it in my bones. Nicholas gave her what was meant to be a comforting pat on the back of her shoulder. I am going to go ahead and head out, Grandma. It looks like I have a lot to investigate, and no time to waste. She put her hand over his and looked up at him with obvious concern. You be careful out there. I couldn't live with myself as something happened to you too. I will, Grandma. He promised, followed by a kiss on top of her head before leaving. Nicholas had just opened the door to his rental car when he felt the ground move beneath his feet. It wasn't enough to make him lose his balance, but it was definitely noticeable. 
Aftershocks, he thought to himself. Pretty normal, considering it had just barely been over a day since the earthquake. He waited, and when he was sure that it had passed, he climbed into the car and headed towards the Kalamata Marina. He only stopped once to grab water and snacks, fully intending to be gone all day if he had to. The Coast Guard had pulled what was left of his grandpa's 98 Cessa into harbor, and Nicholas wanted to get a look at it. He was afraid that they would refuse to allow him near the boat, but to his surprise, they were more hospitable than expected. It was like his grandmother had described. The small boat was burned on the outside, as if he had driven it through a fire. Most of the inside of the boat was unscathed. Nicholas was disappointed that his inspection of the boat gave him no clues as to what may have happened to his grandfather. The only other thing he knew to do was go search the shores and coves that his grandfather loved to fish himself. It wasn't hard to find a rental. It looked as if most people were too scared to go out onto the water today. The usually busy waterfront was almost empty. He picked a smaller power boat in hopes that it would be faster getting to where he was going. He had left without asking his grandma for his grandpa's recorded coordinates, so he would just have to wing it and rely on his memory. Once the boat was out in open water, he headed to the one place that he knew was his grandpa's favorite fishing area. Pushing the throttle up, he sped off to begin his search. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is a vast sea monster of tremendous strength, described as the most powerful and dangerous creature in the ocean. The Leviathan is a sea serpent well known in theology and mythology. It is referenced in several books of the Hebrew Bible. It is known to be an enormous sea monster that was one of Yahweh's, the Christian God's, original creations. 
There were several other creatures of equal power that were created, but the Leviathan was known to be the most dangerous of them all. There are many different theories as to what inspired the tales of the Leviathan, but most are centered around the demonstrating of the almighty power of Yahweh. It is thought that the Leviathan was created as one of the first creatures and was one of three primordial beings that could hold great power on the earth. The behemoth, a bull-like creature, was given dominance over the land. Ziz, a dragon-like creature, was given reign over the skies. Lastly, Leviathan was given rule over the seas, though the Mediterranean Sea was his home. The mighty Leviathan was believed to be the most powerful of these three creatures. This is possibly because of the dangers that are associated with the sea, and possibly because the Leviathan was known to be destructive while Behemoth and Ziz were peaceful creatures. In the beginning, there were supposedly two Leviathans, a male and a female. They were made to keep each other company in the seas. As time went on, however, it became clear that both creatures could not be allowed to survive. This was supposedly because the Leviathan would take over and possibly devour the world if they were able to create offspring. Alternative versions also say that it was only necessary to kill one of the Leviathan because it had been corrupted by an evil entity, causing it to lose its gentle nature and become a creature of great destructive power. To preserve the lives of his other creations, Yahweh came down to earth to destroy the female Leviathan. There was a great struggle between Yahweh and the female Leviathan because of her great strength. However, because Yahweh was all-powerful, he was eventually able to kill the female and save the rest of his creations from destruction. The male Leviathan became bitter because of the loss of his companion and it is said that he awaits the end times when he will battle with Yahweh. After killing the female Leviathan, Yahweh used the skin from her corpse to create a beautiful canopy. It is said that the Leviathan has one of the most beautiful skins of all Yahweh's creations, making this canopy especially beautiful. Under the canopy, a feast made of the flesh from the beast lays on a table. It is said that when the righteous are taken to paradise in the rapture, the second coming, they will sit down with Yahweh under his canopy and feast upon the flesh of both Leviathans and of Behemoth. Yahweh supposedly also used the remaining skin of the Leviathan female and used it to make garments of light for Adam and Eve. Although they had disobeyed the will of Yahweh from eating the forbidden fruit, Yahweh helped them to ensure their protection on earth by giving them these special clothes. Many creation tales that reference the Leviathan say that Yahweh made the creature, along with the Ziz and Behemoth, as a way of demonstrating his mighty power. By creating the most powerful creatures on land, in the seas and in the skies, Yahweh showed his great power, which helped to humble the rest of his creations. The Leviathan, however, posed a special sort of problem for many of the early people. It was the only one of the three creatures that was known to have a destructive nature and was largely regarded as an evil being. In addition to being extremely dangerous, the Leviathan was known to be impossible for man alone to defeat. Legend says that the Leviathan was at least 300 miles in length, but the exact size of the creature was unknown 
because the size of the Leviathan was too big to be comprehended by man. This mighty sea creature was known to have a hot temper that was feared by all and armored scales that made it impossible to kill the beast. The scales of the Leviathan are said to be one of the most impressive qualities of the creature. Many creation myths claim that the Leviathan had a double layer of armored scales that protected its flesh. These scales were layered so closely together that not even air could get through. These details tell us that the beast was fearsome, but it doesn't give much insight into what type of animal the Leviathan might resemble. Many theories say that the beast is likely a large serpent or dragon. Others believe that the Leviathan could be a large whale. Curiously, the Leviathan is renowned for its unique beauty in addition to its terrifying traits. Another attribute of the powerful marine beast is that it is luminous in nature. The Leviathan is supposed to have dim eyes that glow more brightly when its head breaches the surface of the ocean. Its flippers are said to have halos floating above them and have an especially gorgeous light to them. Probably the most terrifying thing about the Leviathan is that this creature is not necessarily evil, but it does enjoy chaos, especially among Yahweh's chosen creatures, mankind. The Leviathan was a creature that was terrifying to everyone because of its many abilities. It was said that the Leviathan could breathe fire. When the head of the creature broke the surface of the waters, flames were said to shoot out from its mouth and nostrils. Flames also shot out from its eyes when above the surface. The monster's heat abilities are not limited to this, however. The Leviathan was known to be able to make the water around itself boil. This allowed it to kill its prey and generally terrorize humans. The beast was also known to have extremely foul breath. Its odor was said to be poisonous. Any person or creature that encountered the breath of the monster would die. There are passages in ancient texts that suggest the Leviathan would kill every living thing in paradise if allowed, just from the smell of its breath. The Leviathan is portrayed in several religions and is known in all these religions for its mystery and intrigue. The great beast is typically only mentioned a few times in each text, probably so that followers of these religions can understand its power but not confuse its might with that of Yahweh. Although the Leviathan is most recognized as a Christian monster, it can also be referenced in Judaism and Satanism. There are many explanations for the myth of Leviathan. The creature is known by many names in many cultures and has inspired much fear because of its great power. It is well known that Christianity has an inclination for integrating tales from various cultures into its own. It is believed that this was done to ease non-believers' conversion to Christianity. There are several myths from various civilizations that share the same theme and structure. One such tale has its roots in Babylonia, a people who were notorious for worshiping pagan deities who were rejected by Christians. Another explanation for the similarities across tales is that the myth-inspiring creature was a common occurrence in mythology across all civilizations and religions. Some academics contend that the emergence of Leviathan was really a crocodile that had been exaggerated. Although there is considerable recognition for this in academic circles because of the nature of the crocodile, its armored skin made it difficult to kill, 
but it's unlikely that this was the true inspiration. This is due to the fact, despite being challenging to defeat, a crocodile could nonetheless be killed by ancient man. Crocodiles were hunted by groups of men who would pull the animal's mouth open to strike it fatally. The crocodile was an unexpected contender because the powerful leviathan could never be subdued by man. Other scholars suggest that the leviathan could have been inspired by another type of sea beast that remains undiscovered by modern man. This theory is popular among many scholars and theorists, especially those interested in pseudoscience and cryptids. People who believe in this school of thought are eager to cite the numerous beast stories found in ancient cultures. They also turn to the myth of the Kraken, which is also invincible and leaves few witnesses like Leviathan. Because the Leviathan is such a potent image, it appears frequently in literature, films, music, and video games in contemporary pop culture. The narrative history book Against His Story, Against Leviathan by Freddie Perlman critically explores the progress of Hobbes' Leviathan as Western civilization, inspiring and defining anti-civilization theory. In Stephen Brust's 1994 novel Terrain in Hell, Leviathan, female in this case, is one of seven elder inhabitants of heaven who conspire to prevent Yahweh from creating the earth as a sanctuary for himself and those loyal to him. In Boris Akunin's novel Murder on the Leviathan, Leviathan is the name of a gigantic steamship. Leviathan is a horror comic series created by Ian Edgington and the Israeli about a mile-long cruise liner which on her maiden voyage to New York disappeared and has spent the last 20 years lost in an endless ocean. It was published in the British magazine 2000 AD starting in 2003. The name Leviathan is also used in both Marvel and DC comic books. The American progressive metal band Mastodon named their second album Leviathan in reference to the Herman Melville novel Moby Dick, on which the concept of the album is based. Neil Morse, progressive rock composer, wrote a song called Leviathan for his 2008 album Lifeline. The song is based on all biblical references to the creature. The power metal band Elstorm mentioned Leviathan multiple times in their albums specifically Leviathan and Death Rose of Terror Squid. Swedish electronic band Covenant has a track named Leviathan on their album Europa, 1998. Danish rock band Volbeat released a track called Leviathan in mid-2019 for their album Rewind, Replay, Rebound. Leviathan is a recurring creature in the Final Fantasy RPG series, often encountered as an obstacle or boss as well as a water-based summon spell. In Devil May Cry 3, the Leviathan, a gigantic flying well-like creature, was released into the human world. After Virgil and Arkham summoned the Timony Grew Tower into the human world to obtain Sparta's power for themselves, the demon is eventually killed by Dante after he destroys it from the inside. In Destiny, an online multiplayer game, the Leviathan is a massive undersea creature who tries to prevent one of the game's main antagonistic races, the Hive, from becoming corrupted, but ultimately fails. Other games with a Leviathan or similar type creatures are Dishonored, Mega Man Zero, and Darksiders, just to name a few. A creature as strong and historical as Leviathan 
could not be forgotten by the film industry, with more than a dozen movie and television series featuring the creature. In the 2019 film, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, a titan named Leviathan is contained in Outpost 49, situated in Loch Ness. Job 41, 12-34 appears in the beginning of the epilogue of the movie's official novelization, in reference to the physiological similarities between Godzilla and Leviathan, as described by the passage. In the television series Supernatural, the Leviathans are an ancient race of monsters that were freed from purgatory when the angel Castiel absorbed its entire population. Described by death as God's original creations, created before angels and humanity, but locked away because they proved too dangerous. These Leviathans are capable of shape-shifting into human form after contact with their DNA, able to eat virtually anything and almost indestructible. They are only vulnerable to the household chemical borax and being stabbed with the bone of a righteous mortal, soaked in blood from the three fallen. A fallen angel, Castiel, ruler of fallen humanity, Crowley, and the father of fallen beasts, Alpha Vampire. There has never been a settled answer to what the Leviathan is. While it doesn't give us a neat and tidy zoological classification, the Leviathan offers us something else. As a symbol of chaos and strength, it gave the biblical writers a means to speak about the great power of their God. As a terrifying creature of immense proportions, whose mention brings with it a shiver of fear and awe, it continues to capture imaginations, and even today maintains its mystery. Nicholas's grandfather loved fishing, but it was more of a way for him to relax and think than anything else. Nicholas remembered many days when he would anchor the boat in a secluded cove, cast his line, sit back in his chair, and tell stories from when he was a boy. Some days he would even nap while Nicholas fished. He worried that his grandfather had gotten too old to be going out alone, but he also knew it would take a force of godlike strength to stop him. It only took about 20 minutes for Nicholas to reach the cove that he had in mind, the one closest to Messinium Money Beach, a beach with a name that literally meant murderer. The cove was empty that day as it usually was. Tourists didn't know about this hidden spot and most locals avoided it due to old ghost stories and superstitions. Nicholas was scanning the pebble beach with binoculars that he had brought with him knowing that it would be unsafe to bring the boat too close to shallow waters. This area had not been cleaned since the earthquake, and he could see the rotting fish lining the shore. Focused on his search, he didn't notice when the boat began to rise, until it suddenly fell with the crashing of the wave that had lifted it. Nicholas almost fell over the side of the boat. He dropped the binoculars into the water when he lost his balance. The ocean began to swell again as another wave lifted the boat even higher. Nicholas held on tight to the side of the boat, confused by what was going on. There was not a cloud in the sky, yet the sea had come alive as if it was angry with him for being there. While the boat was heaved and tossed in the rising swell, Nicholas could feel the air around him growing thick with heat. The water that splashed in on him burned his skin. In minutes that felt like hours, the water began to calm and the boat steadied 
but the trouble had not passed. While Nicholas held his hand to his chest, willing his heartbeat to slow down, he watched as steam began to rise from the water, filling the air around him as far as he could see like a sudden fog. When the water began to boil, he thought he must have lost his mind. Maybe he had bumped his head and had not realized it. It was becoming difficult to breathe as the air filled with thick humidity. Sweat began to cover his body as the boat began to heat up. He began to hear splashing sounds coming from all around the boat in every direction as fish, turtles, and all sorts of creatures began to rise to the surface. They were squirming in agony from the boiling heat of the water. This time, when the sea began to rise, Nicholas grabbed onto the helm and braced himself for what was to come. He tried to steer the boat towards the shore. Crashing on the beach was a better alternative than being boiled to death. It was impossible to tell if the boat was moving in any direction but up. It continued to rise higher and higher until a wave higher than any he had ever seen flung the tiny boat towards the shore. The boat hit the rocky beach and splintered into pieces on the ground. Nicholas was thrown onto the ground with a force that rendered him temporarily unconscious. When he awoke, he was covered with blisters from where the water had washed over him. He tried to crawl away from the busted boat and the water that was still burning his flesh, but he stopped when it began to grow dark as if the sun was suddenly eclipsed. Crawling blindly forward, he finally made it to dry land and rolled over onto his back. He could feel the blisters bursting on his skin as they were crushed between his body and the rocks. He cried out in agony, but his cry was silenced by a roar from the sky above him. Nicholas then saw what had darkened the early morning sky. It was a massive creature the size of a mountain. It had emerged from the sea and seemed to be staring down at him. He was sure then that he had died on that boat and was now in hell, for what he was looking at could not be of this world. It brought to his mind images of dragons he had seen in movies. He could only make out its shape, its glowing eyes, and the glimmer of flames dripping from its gaping mouth. Whether it was the pain of his burns or the terror of the nightmare he was caught in, he was not sure. But finally, he succumbed to darkness and passed out. He was not sure how long he lay there until he was roused by the sound of voices. Having to force his eyes to open, he saw several strange faces staring down at him. He was aware that they began lifting him onto something, and he couldn't deny the pain that was covering every inch of his body as they carried him away from the beach and loaded him into an ambulance. Time was a blur for the next few days. He would wake to screams that sounded foreign, but he knew that they were his own. He saw the faces of nurses, doctors, and his grandmother in brief glimpses before each time passing back out. It was exactly two weeks before Nicholas awoke completely. The bright lights in the room hurt his eyes and made it hard to focus. He tried to rub his eyes, but found his arms and hands bound in bandages. He saw his grandmother in a chair asleep beside his bed. He watched her face. 
and with deep sadness began to recall the events that had brought him here. How could he ever tell her what he now knew had happened to his grandfather? And would she, or anyone else, ever believe him? Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Tales from the Break Room and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-L-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Tune in next week as we discuss The Hide Behind a monster described as a nocturnal, fearsome critter from American folklore. They prey on those alone in the woods. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.